book of Matthew, chapter 25, please. Tonight we're ministering on a subject that we started several uh, services ago called The Distance, Going All the Way. The Distance. Well, what's that about? I could be about anything, don't you all think? With that kind of title, you could do anything. Matthew chapter 25. Now, I'm going to back up and, and uh, quote John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or abundantly or till it overflows or whatever that is. So I, the devil, just, just so we're going to just start out here and get a foundation. And it, now we know it's not everybody in this room. You might go like, well, what is he saying that for? Well, there's people that's more than in this room. But the devil's come to steal the value of our lives. What do you think your life's worth? Well, we'd give millions of dollars to rescue a child. If there was a child out there that was... I remember in Midland, Texas, many years ago, a, a little girl, little girl, got stuck in an abandoned... Uh, it was a 10-inch diameter casing pipe. And she went way down and lived, and they had to dig a, a hole down next to her. And I mean, there was it was on national news. You you probably heard it. Well, Midland's just 70 miles from where I was, and so there was no expense spared. There was no like, well, that's a lot of work. We need to no. And so the Lord has got precious things, and it's a real valuable attribute to be able to attach preciousness to things. If you don't, all is common. And do y'all think the world right now, the world, world, everything's common. They, they really can't attach anything holy or precious or consecrated to anything because everything's just passing through. It's a blur to them. But the devil's come to steal the value of our lives, or at least the value in our own eyes. That child didn't mean anything to us except she was just a you know, a life, and we empathized with her parents and all of that. But just think how we would ramp up if it was our child that was in that. All of a sudden, that would even be more precious. Well, the devil's come to steal from you what you think, what you believe is precious. And uh, mostly, you, you might not know this, but he's come to steal the Word. If the Word is precious to you, he's come to steal it. Remember Andrew Womack talking about going to Vietnam and having his little Bible, and that he would just go off and hide and get alone and everything, and he would devour that, that, the words of the, of the Bible. While everybody else was just doing what everybody else does, he, he attached value to that, and the Lord honored him. So um, the devil's come to steal whatever you think is valuable. Well, why wouldn't he? he? You know, it might not be valuable to anybody else, but he wants to steal from us uh, two, two things. He wants to steal the precious, but he even wants to steal the idols out of our life. Because sometimes idols in our life, that could be people, could be people, your children or your sister, your brother, your parents, that aren't, that aren't, they're not supposed to be like your husband or your wife. He could try to steal those. Why? Because it would decimate you. Because it would disappoint you. So he's come to steal the treasures in our life, whatever they are, the valuables. He's come to steal your dreams. I can tell you, he's, he's, he's on a mission 
to interrupt your dream. If he can't take it, he'll try to delay it or discourage it. He wants to take your long life. It's a promise. He's, he said, I'll satisfy you with it. But he's come to cut it short. I've shown them a picture my brother a little video sent me just a little while ago. My dad is going to be 91 in December. And he, 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 he doesn't, he's not a runner. He's got a walker, actually. But he was on the top of my brother's 12-row cotton stripper, and he was driving it like a pro. Now, not anybody else would know the thing's on GPS, and you can't, you, it, it goes wherever the cotton goes. But he was driving that thing. I was so blessed because that's really precious to him and all the other people that are around there are going like, I drive them all the time or whatever. Well, it was very precious to my dad, I'm sure. So he's, call he's, he's going to try to steal your calling. Now, this is what most Christians don't, they're not aware, but there's a calling. What you're doing now has an end to it, has a, has a purpose to it. You're, it's like you're going to have a party at your house and you go to the grocery store and you start gathering up the stuff that goes to that party and if you don't get it all for some reason or forget it, there's a hole in that party. There's a missing part. There's You're disappointed because you had plans for it. Well, that's what our lives are right now. He's, he's putting things together. You're on the soup aisle, but you're going to be on the cereal aisle, and you're going to be on the ketchup aisle, and you've got to get everything in the basket to, to end this thing and to, to carry it on. Uh, he's uh, your, your legacy. It's like, i got to get famous. You, you ever heard of people that said, I'll be a millionaire by 30? And uh, it, it's amazing. And uh, so he wants to steal your hope. A constant discouragement. He, he's not interested in sending people to hell. That's what people, oh, I sent them to hell. Well, that's not, he doesn't care about hell. He's not over hell. He's not populating hell. He just doesn't want people to be an advocate for heaven. But mostly why we were talking about uh, the, the doctrine, the bad doctrine, about how God steals a rose for his garden and God, you know, all that junk, all that, those, that, that lie about God taking people. Well, he's, it's not that. He just wants to disappoint the ones that love those that left prematurely or in a tragic way. You go, well, that's God's will. Like everything's, God's in control. That's not true. There's a real devil, and he's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Are we in agreement there? So he's come to mock your faith. If you can't get anything out of it, he wants to delay it so that you'll, so you'll shake down, and you'll, you'll hesitate, and you'll, you'll rethink. Well, maybe that wasn't God's will, but you've been on it for 15 years. And suddenly, he's got you in a place where you don't know how that would uh, come to pass. So you, you begin, so he's come to mock us. You know, and we've healed, we've got people healed, we've prayed for the sick and healed the sick and all that. But then sometimes we get down. And so the mockers come out to say, well, just like they did Jesus. You know, you saved all them, save yourself. And I'll tell you, the, the value of life, the value of life, the value of your life, Think about the people that jump out of airplanes with little napkins on their back with 17 strings. That, that's tempting Christ. Because they don't know that if anything goes wrong with that parachute or anything else like that, they'll, many of them, not all of them of course, but they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna appear in hell. Because they, they mocked 
that life. The devil mocked that life and said, oh, it doesn't matter if you stay or if you go. And we know it matters. Until you get born again, you... amen. So here, here's what I want to do tonight. I don't have long, but I, I want to talk about that all we have is our lives. That's all you have. You got the word in your life. You got prayer in your life. You got the calling in your life. But, but you are you are the sum of your life. And we've attached a name to you. We've attached Melissa Smith, and we've attached Jonathan Hall to your life. But your life is all you have. And so we have a choice. We have a opportunity to just go like the world, which is just living their life, or we can exchange our life. And if you if you just live your life then your life is what will be, will be, mostly. But if you exchange your life, if you lay down your life in one way, in, a, in a, an exchange, then you get it multiplied or picked up in an exponential way. But you have to know that. The world doesn't know that. They're, that's why they jump out of airplanes, and that's why they do the crazy stuff that we like to watch on TV. Is that right? We like to watch these... These dare people. But uh, in Matthew chapter 25, there's, that's where I'm going. So you can live your life, which is the default. Just live your life. Just go to work and come home, mow the grass, and, and uh, go, to, go to the grocery store and go to church and just, just live your life. And then when your birthday comes up, you'll say, we notched another one. And then at the end of a bunch of them, which I've had a few of them now, you just go, what was that? It's the same for everybody. Some of them have been to Montana. Some people have been to the Caribbean. But it doesn't really matter. It's just your life. What you filled it with is no more than what you didn't fill it with. It's just your life. So we have to be about the Father's business and exchange our life. It's He gave us our life not to just fritter our life away, but to exchange it, to lay it down like the Lord Jesus did. Now, we're not Him. I'm, I'm not saying that. But we, he gave us our pattern. In chapter 25 of Matthew, it, it, it says in verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling. The kingdom of heaven. So whatever's going to follow in these verses right here by the Lord Jesus, he's going to be talking, the subject is, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. This is how it is. It's not what you think. It's not what you heard or experienced or what other it's what Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is and he said the kingdom of heaven let's see what what he said uh, uh, 14 is as a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered them unto his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to every man according to his several ability we, we know that word means capacity, what they could hold, what they could do, what they could be, and straightway took his journey. Well, this is a picture of the Lord Jesus, of course, coming and giving all of us, and then he, he took a journey. He went back to heaven, but he's coming back. You all know he's coming back. Hallelujah. Then he that had received the five went and traded with the same, traded with the same. Let's say that they he exchanged. He entered into... The law of exchange. He went, the Bible says, he went, he went and traded with the same. He, he did business. He transacted. He didn't just sit there and say, I, I'm going to hold on until the boss gets back. 
Is that right? Remember, this is the kingdom of heaven is as this man that got five and went and traded the same. So the kingdom of heaven is being demonstrated right here. And it says, and likewise, he that had received two, he gained also other two. But that he had received one, went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. That's the kingdom of heaven. So that's a demonstration of all people, what you can do with your one and only life. You've got one life. You are your life. You are not more than your life. You are your life. And you are in charge. You're in control. You, you can make choices. Now, sometimes when we make choices, if we marry the wrong person or if we, or if we get the wrong career or something and something happens, we're not in charge of our life, but we have options. Are y'all with me tonight? I'm, I'm doing the best I can here. Hallelujah. So, the kingdom of heaven is as people that got what heaven gave them, and then they are living their life. They're living it. And he said, he said, one man had five, and he traded and doubled it, but another man had two and traded and he doubled it. And he said of the same thing in verse uh, uh, 21, he said, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee master over much. Then in a verse or two later, he says the exact same thing about the man that traded two for two more, and the, the reward was the same. So it doesn't matter what you've been given, it matters what you do with what you've been given. If you're, if, if, to whom much is given, much is required. So if you've been given this thing that's, that's extraordinary, you can't puff up and make lots of big money over it and, and, and exalt yourself. You've got to get out there and double you got to double, whatever that term means. you got to go out and produce. you got to go transact. you got to lay down your life in order to pick it up in the double or the, the exponential. Y'all see this? Yes. I mean, it's just so powerful. The kingdom of heaven is as. So here we have what we're supposed to do with our life. And so uh, 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 in verse 18, he said of the, the third guy that had got what he had capacity for and had, it's inherently uh, evident that he could have doubled his. Don't y'all believe he could have doubled his? Yes. He would have only come back with one more, two in total, but the Lord would have said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he would have ushered them all through the same door. It wouldn't matter what you started with. It matters with what you did with what you started with. And so... Uh, it says he went and digged in the earth and, and uh, hid his money. And then in verse 21, he said, I will make thee ruler over much. So the kingdom of heaven is as whatever your life is, your one and only life, your precious life, to you it's valuable. The devil's coming to steal from it, to, to erase the value of it so that you think you're a worm, that you think... You know, I'm, I'm the middle child, uh, no, I'm invisible, and no, you know, or my daddy didn't like me, and all the things that the devil comes to steal from us to make us have less value in our own eyes. But then we look at this and we find out, well, that's not what this says. This says, he always causes me to triumph. This says Amen. that I'm the head and not the tail, that greater is he that is in me. He's, it says you're valuable, you're precious, you're holy. So we got, we got to change our perspective and not dig a hole and put our valuable life in that hole. So in verse uh, 21, it said, I'll make you ruler. And then in the next verse, he said, I'll make you ruler. 
But look what he said in verse, uh, let's see where we are, 21. Verse 21. Verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him. Talking about the man that digged and hid his talent, didn't do anything with it, just sat on it, wouldn't, wouldn't do business, wouldn't transact. He said, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not, remember this is the kingdom of heaven, hath not, from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. So you can't even hold on to your one. If you bury it, you lose it. Do y'all know any people that have buried their talent and they just went down after that? It's, it's not like, well, here, let me give you a hundred dollars. Well, here, let me, you're my kid. Let me, let me get you a new car that you wrecked in that one and let, let me pay your tuition. But if they hath not, if they don't know who they are, if they don't know the gift of God in them, if they don't know that I'm supposed to double my life, then even that which they have is taken away. And in this case, it was taken, it was given to the one that had the most. Well, that tells us then that uh, the saying in the world is the rich get richer, whatever that means, but in the kingdom, the obedient get rewarded. But there's no pressure on us to say, hey, we're in a race, we're all running around the track, we, we, yeah, you're a little ahead, I'm going to catch up. It's all just people living their life. So you have no encouragement from the world to say, I better giddy up. But we come to church, we get in the Word, we, we have revelation, we dream dreams, and we see things and we go, the Lord's quickening me. The Lord's talking to me, just like He talked to y'all. He's talking. And you go, well, this doesn't make sense. I'm changing the station. Don't change that station. He's talking to you. And even though it doesn't fit at first, it will fit. And this is corresponding with the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. The word wicked there actually is the word unbelieving. So the wealth, the one talent of the unbelieving is given to the one that believed. The one that esteemed his life and esteemed the call and, and didn't let the devil steal what was his, what his, what was valuable and precious. But he sowed that which was common. He sowed talents. It's a form of money. It's a measure of money. And you look it up and it means all sorts of things to different people, but it's a measure of money or value. Well, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You have value because you can get money anywhere. Money is everywhere. You all know money is everywhere? Well, where is it? I don't have any. Well, <laughs> you better get in faith because it's everywhere and God wants you to have it. He is not helping the wicked. He's not helping the unbelieving. So, we... Revelation is not just saying, I'm going to heaven. That's, that's as far as a lot of folks get. Oh, I've got revelation, I'm going to heaven. Well, yay, doop de doo But that's not the end of anything. That's just the beginning of anything. That's like I got in the door, I'm done. No, you, you're, not, you're not done. Everything is in front of, is after going through the door. So what the Lord does is He starts talking about us exchanging the talent that's in you and me, the common thing, the common thing, just regular stuff that everybody has. Everybody has money from their job, and everybody, you know, they get an inheritance, or they get a bonus, or they, whatever, whatever, they go to school and get a big job. Everybody's got life going on, but it's all common. It's all regular stuff. 
So how do I get over there in the exponential, the stuff that's not common? Because we know that even people that have a lot of common, they're what we call rich or wealthy, doesn't mean they're happy, doesn't mean they're satisfied. And, and I, I keep saying, even the wealthy, you got $10 million, you can only eat so much food. It doesn't matter. It doesn't be like, I, I'll eat anything I want to because I'm rich. You'll be fat as a cat. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be, your heart's going to go this way and everything like that. So you've got to sleep eight hours like everybody else. There's no advantage. Not much. So we lay down our life in the common things. A lot of churches waiting for something precious to come into their life so they can say, I'll lay that down. But what you have, your life is precious. You, and you have to lay down you. When the offering goes by, the bucket goes by, we're not putting an offering in. We're putting us in. Because that money, that check, that cash, that whatever, it is you. It's me. It rep everything about it is me. My time, my expertise, my labor, my whatever. That's me in the bucket. So I'm putting me in the bucket. I'm laying down what's common. But I expect to pick up what's not common. Because if you're waiting for River Church to mail you a common check at the end of the year, <laughs> that's not what we're trafficking in. It's not what we're dealing with. So, so really, we're not asking God for a supply. Listen, we're not asking God, God bless me and help me and help pay my bills and everything. That's not the question or the approach we're taking with the kingdom. We're asking God, the approach that we have, is, is to have the exchange. Lord, show me how to lay down my life that will cause me to pick up an exponential. Lay down the common that anybody can do. You know, we're, we're passing around the bucket in church, but nobody's putting in a shiny orb or a supernatural gift of the Spirit or, or yeah, I got this thing that I got when I was seven. It's, a, it's wisdom and it's... No, we're all putting in money common and nobody's saying well look at that no it's just money and it's not even like a, a lot of money is more money because we know the woman with the two mites put in more than everybody so you can't even say they gave a lot of money therefore because <clears throat> a millionaire can't get by with putting in a hundred dollars i mean he can and i guess they do so we're not asking god for a supply we're asking him for an exchange I have five talents, I have two talents, I have one talent, whatever, according to my capacity. Lord, wisdom or opportunity, what do you want me to do with that? How can I best lay down my life? Well, we pray in the Holy Ghost and He starts showing us. We start acknowledging our, our desires, what we want to do. I, I like to do this in the kingdom. I like to, I like to be with children. I like to teach children. Bingo, that's where you should go, at least initially. It's the door into whatever's behind it, or it's the final door. Either way, it'll be a blessing, and you'll pick up your life exponentially, laying down common, but picking up the holy, the precious. Because when you can cast out devils, that's precious. When you can deliver somebody that's oppressed, or when you can give someone that's under the bridge a $100, and it changes them. That's the holy things. And we'll all be well rewarded at the end when we go to heaven. But we're doing business now. We're transacting now. Well, I want to talk about something else tonight. Oh, God. 
I think I do this every service. Have you all ever heard the saying, happy wife, happy life? Is that universal? Everybody in here has heard it? Well, I want to tell you all that that's a spiritual principle. The world thinks they got it but because it rhymes. But it's road tested all over the world. And uh, we know that nobody owns their mate. Now, this is contrary to the world system. They think they, bless God, I married you, and I'm in charge here, I'm the head of this thing, and I'm, that means I'm the boss of you, and all sorts of weird stuff. Most men in, in, in religious settings only know one scripture, that the husband is the head of the wife. <laughs> I mean, that's what they know. I, they got that one nailed down. They don't even know John 3.16. They just know I'm in charge, and uh, it's so weird. But we're not, we don't own anybody. We're stewards of their love. Say it with me. Stewards of their love. That's what she signed up for. That's what you signed up for. And so there's two approaches in, in marriage. And I want to talk about that just a little bit tonight. I hope I get to the end of something. But there's two approaches. You can bully a man, speaking specifically about a man, but there's some, there's some yeah buddy girls out there that can, they can throw a haymaker and, and bring him into line. <laughs> but we'll say, men, that, that we could say there's two approaches. One is to be the bully, and I'm going to tell you what to do, and I'm going to be gratified, or I'm going to be uh, 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 pleasured, or I'm going to have an easy life by your labor, your submission, your whatever. I'm a bully. Now, why did y'all stop right there? <laughs> Y'all know this is true. You've seen all these marriages where the, the man is, he, he, he walks on her and, uh, and her job is to, to serve him. But then there's the other side, the other approach is where you give the man specifically, you give yourself, you lay down your life for the marriage and you pick up an amazing life. You lay down what is common, make her coffee or Whatever, whatever blesses her, and you pick up this amazing life. Happy wife, happy life. It's spiritual. It's kingdom. Ephesians five. Can you turn there? We want. Let's just. Barry, would you take the clock down and just throw it away? Put it in the trash. I'm tired of that clock. <laughs> it's just. It's yakking at me all the time. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, we're talking about the law of exchange. We're talking about going the distance, going all the way. Do you and I want to go all the way? Well, it doesn't cost any more to go all the way. It doesn't cost any more to invest my life in the kingdom than it does to invest my life in the world. First class and last class cost the same. Did y'all know the poor have it tough? Yeah. So, Ephesians 5.20. I bet y'all are surprised I'm on this. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, submitting yourselves. Talking to the Ephesus church, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then he turns to verse 22 and he says, wives. Notice the word is not women. I have been in my early days where they actually thought that every man was over every woman. So the pastor got up and he was over every woman in there. Whew, it's scary. Now, I'll tell you a little Greek. 
the word for woman and wife is the same in the Greek. It's the word G-Y-N-E. However you say that, gyne or whatever. It's the same word, and there's no difference except in context. You have to figure out which one it is. So it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I'm telling you, the men folk know that one. Oh, here's the one they know better. For the husband is the head of the wife. Period. Exclamation point. Close the book and go to the house. The husband is the head of the wife, even, oh no, as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That, that, if they know three verses, they know that one. Husbands, love your wives. They've never heard of this one. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. Now look at this as their own bodies. And then he explains it. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Uh, and then it goes on there. So, the word submit. What does the word submit mean? Well, actually, it's not what you might think. The word submit is talking about a cornerstone. It's where anything that's going to be built, anything, they first find the corner. They, they lay off where it's going to fit on the property. They lay off a cornerstone, and they measure all the other three corners from that cornerstone. So it's the beginning, or it's the place where things are measured. The word submit uh, means, let me find it here, uh, cooperate. It means to give in. It means to agree. It means to assume responsibility for success. Isn't that interesting? It has no bully in it. It has no I'm the boss of you in it. And then he says, then he says in verse 22, wives submit yourself into your own husbands. Now why would he put that in there? Now why, why is that in there? Well, because a lot of doctrine has, he, he's precluding here, that wives, you don't have to submit to any man. You go, well, who would think that? Everybody. Back when women were chattels, were, 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 were property, that's exactly what they thought. And he just fixed that. He said, uh, submit yourself unto your own hus husband. You could, uh, a father could come in, and even though his daughter married, he could say, I'm still the boss of you. Wouldn't that be a train wreck? Or, or a banker could say, I, I hold the lien on this land. I, I, I want her to go home with me. I'm going, or, or a priest. You can just think about how this scripture fixes things. He says, submit yourself into your own husband. And then, uh, verse 25. Where are we? Verse 25. It says, uh, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gave himself. That looks like the word exchanged. He gave himself. Intending, the Lord's never given anything that he didn't intend to pick it back up. 
Is that right? So he gave himself for it. So when he gave himself for it, he expected something to change, something to be picked up. So he exchanged himself. He laid himself down in one dimension for the church. He gave himself. He, he was crucified and he picked up the whole family. He was the only begotten son of God until he laid himself down. And now he's the firstborn among many brethren. We're all sons of God. There is no only begotten anymore. John 3.16 has been eclipsed, surpassed. It's not a valid, I mean, the rest of it is, but that part right there is not, not right anymore. Don't mess with John 3.16. Don't you mess with John 3.16. Don't you mess with John 3.16. <laughs> I get that, but you know. So we're all sons, and he's the cornerstone of our lives. We measure everything from him. But he loves us like he loves the church. Because we are the church. And He gave Himself for us. So He loves who He gave Himself for. It has the value of whatever He did in giving Himself. And so that's the way the husband and the wife is. Is He, he gives Himself for the marriage. Well, she's the one in the marriage. She gives him, herself to Him for the marriage sake. Not for His own particular... I need a slave around the house and I need a washerwoman and I need a cook or all whatever, whatever culture's done that. It's for the marriage. I'm going to lay down my life for you, husband. I'm going to lay my life down for you, wife. And we're going to pick up, we're going to lay down common things and we're going to pick up a spiritual thing and, and, uh, and a, uh, exponential of what we lay down. Nothing, you can't get what you lay down for. You cannot go into a, any relationship, even if you go into an illicit hus, uh, man and woman relationship and get all the attributes of a marriage out of that, somehow playing it this way, that way, you know, and all that. You still never get what a marriage will give to each one. It's holy. You lay down the common and say, I, I, I'll give my life for you. Husbands, you ought to tell your wife, I will give my life for you. I, I will... I give my, Jesus said that's important in John. He said no man has greater love than he would, that would lay down his life. He's speaking of himself, but I've already told Deborah Ann, I will lay down my life for you. I do lay down my life for you. And it's not even like I hope I don't have to, which I hope I don't have to, but <laughs> it's just, it's just not, I won't be waiting till that moment to decide. I've already made the decision. So I won't be making, you know, hurry, 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 decide. Uh. <laughs> we lay, we lay down. So, so they, men, husbands love their wives as they love their own bodies versus demanding to be served. They, they serve her. They, they serve her. This, this marriage thing has really been jacked up in our culture right now. Hardly anybody knows how the, the, the marriage com covenant works. But uh, let's see what it says here in verse, uh, verse 28. I'm kind of all over it. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So that's where it's talking about one flesh. If, if a man and a woman are living together and they've had somebody shandai over them and say, you know, you may kiss the bride, but, but they haven't become one flesh in the sense of the covenant, it's just a rocky road. It's just a live-in. It's just, it may be a little better than a live-in, but... There's, there's nothing there. 
People that live together. Am I going to get in trouble for this? People that live together. Yeah, Barry said, yeah, you are. You are. But it's not right. It's wrong. It's sin. It's, it's anti-covenant. And yet we in our culture just not only put up with it, but we accommodate it. And bless it and, oh baby, you know, y'all come over and all that. I don't know how to handle that. I'm not saying that, that I've got the handle on it. But we should not say, ah, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter to me, doesn't matter to God. Because it does matter to God. It's a demonstration of what is not covenant parading or, or flaunting itself as covenant. Well, we're living together. You know, we're a man, we're a woman, we're, we, we, she makes breakfast and I make lunch or whatever. And it's just like it looks like it, but it's no different than if you just have a, uh, well, I can't go there. Never mind. So you should, husbands, you should empower your wives. You should lay down your life. I, my Now, this is just personal. Do what you will, and I'll quit right here, but I consider the inside of the house to be hers. It's hers. She wants to hang a blue rug on the wall. I'll use my persuasion to say, no, please. But if she says, we're, we're having it, I'm in. Her style of furniture, her style of dishes, her, her what she cooks, I already told her, I like how you cook. And then, you know, that's sight unseen. She just brings it to me, and I like it. Whether I like it or not, I like it. See, you, you, you got to submit. You gotta, you gotta give her the same as you would want. I, I want to, I don't want to ask her what kind of spark plugs I want to put in my truck. I, so the inside of the house is her, is hers. Well, guess what? Because I've just told her that and just said, it is yours. You, and when she moved in, you know, when we got married and, and everything, I already had a home. I already had furniture. I already had stuff on the wall. Y'all know my situation. I had everything there. And I said, I'll take it all down. I'll, I'll sell the house if you want to. I mean, I love, I love her. And she said, we're not selling this house. I've never been in it before. We got uh, together. And so, uh, what you know what she does? And this is what they'll all do. If you give them the whole inside of the house, they'll give you everything back. They're not going to say, well, I got him, I bamboozled him, and I got this stuff, and I'm going to wield my power. That's the very thing they hate. They want a husband that'll, that'll stand his ground and keep his word. So you just say, I, I give you this. I... I these dishes, my mama gave them to me, and they were my grandmother's and everything. She says, they're going, they're out. Well, I haul them to the trash. That's laying down your life. So, so I exchange, I exchange. I lay down my life on that, and I have picked up this wonderful marriage where it just, it just flows to me on every wave. I don't, I don't have to ask for anything. I don't have to fuss or argue or, or, uh, uh, nothing, nothing. But I don't do anything without talking to her. You know what I'm talking about. But it flows. It's just, it's the, it's the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced. And there's just nothing about it that you go, well, she's this and she's that, but how could we find a woman like that? She's none of that. I mean, she is to me, but I, I'm getting a little personal here, but it, that's not it. It's your heart. 
You lay it down, and then the Lord picks it up. Now, a lot of men don't want to lay it down because they don't trust her. They say, if I lay it down, she will beat me with a bat. She will take advantage of me, and, and I won't get anything, and she'll start this and that. It, it's, it's impossible. If you lay down your life in that dimension, the common things, you will pick it up in the precious things, the holy things. You know, and if she says, I want to run the car, and I want to run that, I, what do I care? What do I care? I am not territorial, and men shouldn't be, because it's all yours. It's all yours. Just like when your kids, you give them all, you give everything you got to your kids. It's all theirs. So what do you care? How it goes, or whatever. First uh, Peter 3, 7. Now just listen to this. I'm way past, but let me get this in. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You want to get your prayers answered, gentlemen? Give up what color of rug you want. Give up what color of pillows you want on the bed and what kind of picture you want over it. Give it up. Just give it up and say, baby, it's yours to do whatever. I want my prayers answered. Because if you got your prayers answered, you got the kingdom. Now this, this may be, I may have messed this up a little bit or, or not explained myself, but I think y'all know my heart. This is a, this is as the kingdom of God is as. And that's in the as. And I want it. The main thing with men, and I will quote this, is the fear of loss of control. They just won't know, don't want no woman bossing them around. Wearing the pants in the family and, 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 and we've all seen those women. But they all had husbands that were, uh, what Pastor Buzzy called the husbandette. <laughs> Y'all ever seen a husbandette? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Oh, amen. The Lord wants you to have a happy life. But it's not always like you thought. I'm going to have to finish this another day. Or not. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us here at River Church. You're a blessing. We hope the Word of God's blessed you as much as it's blessing us.